Thanks for listening to the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. You can contact the show at twitter.com forward slash dwgroovecast and through Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. Good evening. I am warning you right now, if you touch my drum, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. Ain't a fucking. <laughs> Ain't a fucking. Mom! Take it easy. Lower it. I'm, I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Well, we get straight now? No, we had a problem. I mean, uh, we tried to do everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. Nice. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to year three of the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast. That is absolutely surreal to say that. Year three. Last week, we finished year two with our retrospective, and there's no better way to look forward than to actually look back at where it all started. Yeah, we alluded to it last week. But up until today, every single episode was brand new content. We either had topics or educational discussion, artist features, interviews. Not bad to have 104 weeks of original material. But this week we're going to do something that we have never done before. We're going to replay where it all started. We're going to listen to the very first episode of the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast, Warts and All. You're going to get to hear some kind of questionable audio some echoes and some reverb from non-treated rooms. Going to hear some plosives into the microphone. All those amateurish things. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Get a chance to hear where we came from. You can go back and listen to some recent uh, episodes as well. Kind of see where we're at now. And if you're an original listener, what I like to call a power listener... Give this original episode a re-listen. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can see how far we've come on this journey. And it's an appropriate time for me to say once again, thanks to all of you, to all of the listeners out there, the original listeners, our power listeners, and the brand new folks who are either listening for the first time today or have listened just in the last few months. This show's success is squarely due to your support. When we first started this show, we had nothing, and we had super low expectations. No website, no Instagram, no Twitter. We only had a Facebook account that we could kind of stay in touch with you guys. Now we've got all of the above. We got all that, including just a very nice presence online in a lot of places that we never thought we'd have. There's a lot of drum message boards and forums that people talk about our show quite a bit. Now, with all that in mind... Since we do have this nice website, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to ask us a question, make a comment about the show, possibly even give us some show ideas, head over to our website. We are at www.drummersweeklygroovecast.com. Every single episode we've ever done is on there. All of our videos are on there, including all the accountability Thursday practice along episodes. Of course, you can email us. You can also access all of our social media. We're on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Go on over, give it a look, let us know what you think. 
Now, the only thing I want to ask before we get back and listen to this original episode is for any of you who are listening on the Apple platform, please leave us a short review in iTunes. On your iPhone, all you have to do is click those five stars next to the podcast. If you listen inside of iTunes proper, please navigate your way over to the Drummer's Weekly Groovecast homepage inside of iTunes and just leave us the review there. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. It helps us show up higher in the rankings so people who are listening and looking for shows of our genre, they can find us a little bit easier. That's the only thing we ever ask from you guys is a little bit of support from the review standpoint. We'll never ask you for money. We don't believe in Patreon accounts or any type of support. This is a labor of love for us, and we like passing this this type of material on to you guys. All right, next week we'll be back with a brand new show. I'll leave you again with the first show that we've ever done. Episode number one, Stage Bullies. Hurry, don't be late. I can hardly wait. I said to myself when we're John, I can't believe it, man. We're actually doing this thing. We've been talking about it for a little while, and we're actually sitting down here at my kitchen table. We're going to do a podcast. It's exciting. Schedules be damned. We uh, we are very, very into the idea of discussing working drummers' uh, plight and... Uh, want to by all means make it clear we want to invite you to be a part of this however it grows in whatever way shape or form so uh it's sharing and caring yeah i like you it, know man. yeah I, I think john and i've been talking about doing this for several weeks and and really kind of the purpose of what we're trying to do here is a little bit different from some of the other podcasts that that drummers generally tune into this is going to be much more of a topic-driven podcast, less on interviews, although I think as the podcast grows, we will probably be interviewing some people. We've already talked about that. But we're really, what we want to try to do is, is, is just kind of talk about different things that we encounter on a on a daily or weekly basis and just general topics that, that we think are important and more importantly interesting to, to other drummers and, and entertaining as well. So we're going to have fun with this podcast as well. So we're going to do all kinds of goofy and crazy things. I love it. Yeah. There's, a, there's certainly much to be discussed and uh, some of it's going to just be common sense. Some of it's going to be practical and some of it's just going to be venting, to be honest with you. We all uh, can use that on occasion. But uh, by all means, uh, as Phil said, you know, we want it to be entertaining and something you look forward to. So uh, that being said, your input could be huge in all of that, too. Feel free to contact us and uh, jump in on this discussion Absolutely. We want to we want to hear your input. We want to hear things like 
what you would like to hear, if there's some specific topics that you would like for us to cover, and also if you have any questions about anything that we talk about as well, or just any kind of amplifications about it. And with that being said, something else we're going to do with this being a topic-driven podcast as opposed to primarily an interview-based podcast, we're going to do some different segments along the way as well. And and, and that is up for discussion as well. We, we would like to hear if you've got very particular little segments that you'd like for us to cover. Like, for example, um, closer to the end of the podcast today, we're going to actually talk about a topic uh, that's kind of near and dear to John and I, our, our collective hearts. We're going to talk about underappreciated or kind of under-the-radar drummers. And it's the kind of thing that uh, some guys don't even know Know these drummers exist and some guys know the name but maybe not be quite aware of you know their catalog and, and their importance and what we do as drummers so we're going to do that and eventually down the road also we're going to talk about things like underappreciated drum tracks as well so you know those are some of the, the kind of segments that we're going to be working on absolutely um the other thing that i know we all share a great passion for is gear We'll get into plenty of that, Phil and I both being um, what some people may say uh, sick about. <laughs> I like nylon tips. Well, anyway, <laughs> just there's kidding. that humor yeah. they were uh, that we had discussed because that's just silly. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's just my prejudice coming out. Uh, but gear, um, you know, it could even be into like what vehicle works for you and all kinds of all kinds of awesome stuff like that and uh you know it's going to be opinion driven often so just keep your wits about you don't get too worked up our opinions though will not be driven so far as the fact that we will not accept sponsorships and our advertising though i would like to throw that out there so especially if it's food <laughs> <laughs> Uber Eats. But that's just my opinion. It's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully you guys get a little bit of an understanding of what we're trying to do here. We, we're in the experimental phase of this uh, uh, podcast, the, the burgeoning, the hatchling phase, shall we say, of the podcast. So, you know, bear with us. We're growing. We're figuring out what we're going to do here and whatnot. So again, Feel free, join in with the crowd, with the cool kids, um, and uh, please let us know what you feel about or what you like, what you want to hear, how you feel about things, and, and we will be happy to ignore you if need be. So, topics. We have discussed many. and Advertising's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's going to be... Uh, a lot of interesting discussions and uh, one that came up that we have decided to kind of open up and discuss initially is the ever popular stage bully. Oh, yeah, they uh, these guys, man, they uh, they come in many different shapes, forms, sizes and names. This is so true. Um, and. By all means, uh, how we as individuals deal with a stage bully can get really interesting. And I, I think we both have experience in 
what's effective and what's not by way of uh, managing that. And um, I know personally that as years have gone on and I've been humbled by this business, my, uh, my first experience with stage bullies is to kind of meet them in the middle as opposed to just shutting them down screaming and yelling and you know this ego driven response but um you know maybe the best approach initially would be to kind of understand where their bullying is coming from oh absolutely man and i'm i'm gonna tell you this when when you and i first started just throwing some topics around and this kind of just came to the forefront man this is something that man it damaged me i'm i'm going to be straight up honest with you about it and and it damaged me fairly significantly from a standpoint of of creating a a lot of self doubt man with you know with not only my playing but just what am i doing you know what i mean from a standpoint it, it is is this path of my career even valid and and so let me tell you this is a this is a topic that it means a lot to me because it's the kind of thing that that understanding where somebody is coming from on being a stage bully like you said it has different meanings to different people but but like I said to, to me in particular like I said it was a very damaging thing that ended up happening to me that, that I had to quite honestly forgive myself and a lot of other people you know, when it came to that. And, and honestly, I think that, that, that most of the people or the, the people that I'm thinking of in particular that, that, that I consider to be my uh, predominant stage bully, so to speak, didn't even know they were doing it. Yeah, that is, that is <laughs> yeah. incredible. Um, and I've run across some individuals that definitely, uh, a perfect example is I worked for a singer who was notorious for just wearing out a drummer. Just been there. Just yeah. absolutely relentless in in ways that like affected people <clears throat> I looked up to that had maybe played that gig prior to me. Mm-hmm. And I one once I confronted this person about it, like what 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 purpose is this serving? You know, uh, a drummer is the hot spot in your band. Like mm-hmm. what the hot seat in your band, what could you possibly gain from just getting in this person's head, uh, you know, attacking their confidence, attacking their abilities, attacking all of that. It's not going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. And the, the response I got was, well, when I was growing up, that's how it was. I exactly. caught so much grief and anyone that works for me is going to catch it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, how absurd is that? It It's as absurd as the other main ingredient in stage bullying, which I think is insecurity. Absolutely. And so you're, 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 you're talking about just ultimately not this superiority complex, not this, you know, genius level right. issue of like, why can't it be easy for you? It's easy for me. But but more often than not, learned behavior or insecurity brings us on. 
you know what, man? One quick thing I want to mention about that, and I'm going to throw my my air my air quotes up about mm-hmm. you, you and I have had our uh, moments of playing with famous people, and for the most part, and I think you will probably agree with this, most of these famous musicians are, are really well or very accomplished musicians are actually some of the easiest ones to play with from the standpoint of Agreed. that. That very seldom have I ever had any issues with with that entire thing. So so that's one one thing I wanted to 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 bring up. Um and when it comes to like sharing stories about these stage bullies and or our experiences with them like you were just talking about, I can very and I know that you you can as well very distinctly remember maybe like your first good beat down that you got on stage and and basically how you ended up handling it and and the the my first good old fashioned beat down I had was probably I was in my early 20s maybe 22 or so that's when I was living in Memphis in in school over there man I was doing a concert uh while I was in graduate school with part of the uh, graduate faculty, and we had a guest singer that came in. She will remain nameless because she is still kicking it, and she is very famous, especially over, we'll call her the queen of the blues. Anybody can do your, you can do your research over in Memphis and find out exactly who this lady is. Man, we were doing a concert uh, in front of uh, a lot of my friends, and at that time actually were some of my students, Man, when I was because I was a graduate assistant over there, we were doing a concert with her. She was singing a combination of like some standards and some blues, and you know we had very little if no rehearsal. You know she came in, and we were playing, and in the middle of the concert, I it, first off couldn't hear very well in there, couldn't hear kind of what was going on, and in the middle of the concert, she started giving vocal cues right as far as where to go. And one of them, which I didn't know, which was a Memphis thing, was to the floor. You know that one, John? No, nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing that game. <laughs> yeah, right. To, to, to the floor basically meant break it down, get very, very quiet. And so I didn't know, man. I kept going. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she said it again, to the floor. And I just kept going. And so she made it a point then to walk right over in front of me and school me right in front of everybody, you know? I mean, talk about humiliating when you've got, you know, all your friends out in front of you. And this, you know, different versions, and, and, and it just kind of progressed as we went along, and I just played along, you know, being the 22-year-old green version of what I am. Of course, I learned from that. But let me tell you, man, I did not, I just want to say this, I did not handle that well, though, after that, from a standpoint of, you know, I, you know, spoke very, I, I, I handled it by avoiding it. Sure. It's exactly what I did, man. I, I mean, I buried that sucker. And I'm going to tell you it's right just, now. Yeah, yeah, it's just emotional survival. It, exactly. Yeah. And the rest, of, needless to say, the rest of that concert did not go very well from no, that standpoint. You know, it, it, it is incredible how psychologically, you know, these things can be so. Um, I guess the word would be crippling in the moment. Yep. Because you're 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 put in this position where 
not only are you dealing with embarrassment, but you're also dealing with the insecurity of your abilities and the need for approval and all of these things come together in what a lot of people don't understand is this heightened environment. Yep. Your reaction to everything when you're playing is, it's not terribly rational. Good and bad, you know, positive and negative. Uh, you know, the euphoria of an amazing solo or an incredible mm-hmm. lick or a groove that's just undeniable where you just feel untouchable. And then at the, on the opposite end, right. you know, just where you're just completely humiliated on stage and what it can do to you is is something that you know like you talk about the best athletes Mm -hmm. it's here and it's gone you forget it you move on but that that's i think in creative people that that's a lot more difficult to do it's just something that and and i i say that because it's not just the gig but that experience could affect you for years. It did me. There you go. And it did and, me. And mm-hmm. how you recover from that is is just there's no there's no guidelines or you know self help books that are really going to help you in in getting past that sometimes. And I, I wish I had a, a quick and easy answer. But we're talking about individuals and we're talking about insecurities and we're talking about such a personal and emotional situation that, you know, we can only talk about them in the sense that, hey, try to think about where it's coming from versus how it's affecting you solely, how it's affecting you. But why, why did that person feel the need to undress me oh yeah mm-hmm. to that level well you know you you were hitting on a topic a few minutes ago and, and i mean it you know i'm going to say this and it's going to sound somewhat trite but i mean it's very true from the standpoint that ver- most musicians are sensitive folk amen you know we're sensitive folk to begin Almost with all of them. and and when you take a sensitive person right and then you are at the height, like you said, of, of sensitivity, which is, you know, your, your brain is on 12 from a standpoint when you're playing, right? Mm-hmm. Emotions are heightened even more at that standpoint. So that's, that's why it can be, that's why the, either the euphoria of the high, high, you know, it, it makes it even higher, so to speak, or in the term of this kind of humiliation, this stage bullying kind of, kind of thing, it makes it a low, low so to speak, it, it, the, your, your senses are on edge, man, at that time, you know, much less if you're like me and you suffer from anxiety, <laughs> to crippling anxiety, you know, yeah, it's, it's every, everything so, is just, yeah, absolutely heightened. And I mean, it's like frayed nerve ends, you know, it's like that, you, you don't manage that, you, right. you, you know, in the moment, it's just, it's so difficult especially for creative sensitive people. And so in discussing it, you know, trying to have some rational perspective, though it may not help you in that moment, right. Moving forward. It's, it's, it's kind of important that we discuss, which something that inevitably is going to come 
into play with almost everyone in a musical setting. There's just it's it's impossible to avoid. Right. I think. Yeah. As a working musician, at least you know, in the you know mm-hmm. idyllic situation of a band or. You know, like these working situations that really the chemistry's right. Maybe you're avoiding it on some level, but in a working situation, inevitably you're going to run into it. Right, and and you know, before we get to what I would like to call my cure, or at least how I started overcoming this, mm-hmm. one other thing: if if having one stage bully is not bad enough, I actually ran into a situation of having. A band of stage bullies, or <laughs> or a group of you know when you when you're an like sit star group exactly an all star group of darkness, yes. you know what I mean? It, like when you sit in with an established group of people, and they all are equally dark or equally bullies bullying. That's when you hit the height, or shall we say, the depth of uh crippling (laughs) self-doubt which not like we need any more of that being musicians right no sir you know but that that was the 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 shall we borrow the parlance of our times the nadir of my stage bullying was was at a time when uh i was actually subbing in a uh a, a trio of of very dark folk uh, that beat me down at every potential, at every every possible way. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's too loud. You're too soft. Go to sticks. Go to brushes. Couldn't leave anything alone. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where they... And, and, and I think it was a combination of trying to help too much and a standpoint of, of also, I'm going to... I'm going to show you who's running this gig. Control. Control. Because absolutely. control yeah. is is truthfully how the greatest music's been created, right? Wait. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe not. With the exception of Miles. Yeah. Um, shut up. Yeah. Control is just ego, again, probably insecurity. Yep. But it, it is amazing to me that people can in a creative and a collaborative environment that someone thinks that is going to effectively translate into art or entertainment or whatever in between. It's, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that some of those guys actually think that, you know, more than it's just like you said, they're wanting to impose their will. Certainly. And, and, you know, and don't care necessarily about, as a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, one thing, a very, you, you know, as an impressionable younger musician at that time when I was getting beat up by this trio of, of fellows, I remember, a, <laughs> I remember a very, very uh, interesting comment that this, that a piano player said to me one time when I was trying to, I, I was, uh, uh, talking to this guy I, who was actually uh, the the proverbial wolf in the sheep's clothing because he he was giving it to me just as much as as one of the other guys, he was giving me sage advice about this bass player that I was playing with. He was like, "It, it, it doesn't matter anything you do. It's just don't play any fills. It's just he all he cares about is time. He doesn't care about the music. He doesn't care about just play play time. That's it." So you know, I mean, what do you do with with you know? I mean. 
just, you know, he basically said, this guy doesn't care anything about the music. He doesn't care about any kind of anything else. Just play time. Don't play any drum fills. Don't play anything. Just play time. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, that's kind of interesting advice to give you. So, I mean, it's the kind of thing, again, that... And, and this also, another interesting quote <laughs> came from this same guy. One time he told me, he goes, he said, man, no matter what you do, let's just be honest. People don't want you to be successful. I mean, you know, most people don't, or, or his, his exact words was, people don't want you to be successful. They want to cut you down at all times. They don't want to see you be successful. So the, isn't it funny how those little, those little nuggets, man, get caught in your brain and yeah. work that way? And it's all, it seems like it's always the negative stuff. Exactly. You, know? it could, you could have had 12 gigs in a row where everyone is just yep. happy and blowing and grooving and creative and everything's flowing. And that one moment, not yeah. that one gig necessarily, yeah, one but that one moment, that, that one phrase, that one cut, that one <clears throat> negative comment is just pretty much what you're going to focus on. And it's like, so let me ask you this though, going back to, man, this guy, all he wants time. Mm-hmm. He just wants time. None, nothing else mm-hmm. matters. It's time, time, time. Yeah. As a young impressionable drummer I could see you being like oh what am I gonna do now how would you handle that how would you approach that and it doesn't even necessarily need to be verbal but where would your head go at that point let me step back and say one thing about this at that at that period of my career and that era of my career I did not have confidence in my time mm-hmm. and those dudes sniffed that out like a you know rabid I mean? dog yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and again another one again boy I come back to these negative quotes that these get but I but these little things are they're they're I'm pulling them back out of my subconscious John and and I, this, I, I intend know. to wreck you and take your gigs. <laughs> yeah. So let's just keep yeah. going down this side. And I, re- I remember this guy saying one time, this piano player, it, not referring to the basses, but I remember this piano player saying, man, whatever you do, just just listen to my time. My time is, he, he was saying how great his time was. So follow me on my time. That's what every drummer wants to hear is follow me on my time. Yeah. But John, to, now go, to go back to, to answer your question about how I would approach it now. Let me say this. The way that I would approach it now first has to do that I have significantly more confidence in just my overall playing mm-hmm. and especially my time feel, man. I feel very good about what I'm doing right now. I'm in a much better place mentally. And part of that comes from at that time of being inexperienced, one of the ills that I suffered from was I had issues with with preparation. I wasn't nearly as prepared as I should be. So therefore, that bred some lack of confidence with that entire thing. So the way that I would approach it now, man, is is I would absolutely take it from what that source actually is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In other words, trust, the, or, or at least I should say, take it for who it's coming from. You know, trust your own instincts, and I would definitely trust my own instincts now. And I would definitely play with more confidence as well to be you know that's that's the other thing i would try to as far as my time feel goes i always like to say i don't like to impose my time feel on anybody i don't like to impose the way i play i like to invite Mm -hmm. you know people to play i like to have a groove whether it be uh you know a straight eighth groove or a latin groove or a swing groove 
I like my beat to be inviting. I like it to be something that, that whenever I state the time, I want to say, hey, here it is. I'll make it a wide enough groove, make it a big enough groove. Come play. Let's have fun. Let's do this. That'd be the first thing that I would do, man, is I would try to state time in a very confident manner, but also a very inviting kind of manner, you know? And, you know, from that point on, if I've got confidence in my time feel, and I've got confidence in what I'm playing stylistically, in other words, that I am confident with the vocabulary of the music that I'm playing, and I'm playing it authentically, then, then, then I have to basically, yes, that's my dog, that is Harvey, the schnauzer, that is backing up my point, folks. Uh, tell him, Dad. Yeah. And so what I would have to do from that point on is, again, I would have to consider the source from where this is coming from, you know, and... Then if we disagree, we agree to disagree on that. And we, but but we have to do it from from a somewhat you know we have to be Switzerland here also. We can't we can't you know completely and totally just obliterate the music because this is where I'm stating the time. No, this is where I'm stating the time. We, we you know we have to meet somewhere in the middle Certainly. with this entire thing. Here's one thing that I think uh, can be overlooked in that. The heat of that, especially with a young player or inexperienced player or, or what have you, but to answer my own question about where I would come from in that situation, um, I would I, I, I have the ability now in this diplomatic sense to kind of placate, like almost like let them think I'm giving them what they're saying and all that. Uh-huh. Still have my ears and trust my instinct. Yep. By way of what's happening other than stage bully's opinion and approach. But the one thing that I will not overlook at this point is you're telling me this guy over here wants this. Well, you know what? It might not be after the song or in the middle of that and desperately trying to find out if he if stage bull is correct or not, but I'm gonna ask that cat, the guy we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, what do you like? So there's no gray area, and I'm not clouded by someone else's opinion of what this person wants behind them, especially as a soloist, you know, that it's like or a singer or whatever. You know, we, we're still ultimately in support. Right. And want to, as you stated, mm-hmm. create that bed, that vibe, that comfort zone, that overall good feeling where everybody is able to do their thing. I'm going to the source, man. Yep. I'm not letting Stage Bully think he is the be-all and end-all because, to be honest with you, if Stage Bully says to me, I want time and I don't care about anything else, I'm going to give it to him. But that doesn't necessarily mean that his opinion of what this person wants is a be all and end all. I'm going to go to him and I, this opinion be damned. Right. No, no, yeah. no. You know what? Hey, that's cool. We discussed it and what we think they want. I'm just going to go find out what they actually do want. And that's something that is probably going to piss off stage bully, but I don't care at this point because I'm not in the guessing game, man. I don't, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be in, I don't want to assume anything when I have this dude right here to find out. 
Yeah. You can just go to them. So there's there's a way to resolve that right there. You know? Let me let me ask you a question. Let me let me piggyback on mm-hmm. that because I guarantee you you've had this experience before. Let's say you go to someone and and oh boy, I'm gonna throw singers under the bus right now. And you go up to a singer, one that's demanding, shall we say, and you ask him or her what they want, and they can't communicate it to you. Now what happens? Well, that's when I go back to instincts and experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, like a perfect example is if someone wants a song so fast. Yeah. That it just loses all magic, all yep. groove, becomes a different song, all swing, yeah, anything. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's you have to take it upon yourself as an established and mature player to be like, "Hey, man, meet in the middle, yeah. compromise, what have you." But you, you've got to at some point say, "Look, you can't even tell me ultimately what it is you want." Right. I can only go by my instincts at this point to say this song is losing all that is important in making music. So I, I need to ratchet it back here. Mm-hmm. I need to try to get you to, to diplomatically try to get you to see where I'm coming from with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, the, the subject of tempo, that's an interesting subject in its in of itself, but, my attitude is this: hit songs, which we often often are recreating. It's not by accident. Mm-hmm. Some ridiculously established producer and the cream of the crop of musicians ended up at this tempo. So to take it twelve BPM faster might be not only just insulting to all that was the creation of this song, but to these people who probably know significantly, significant amounts more of music and groove and feel and what translates this song into its hit status, for lack of better terms. It's like, come on, man. But John, if we don't play it faster, they won't dance. Yeah. (laughs) Energy <laughs> derives from tempo, right? Not, no. Yeah. But yeah, they won't dance or <laughs> I'd have to hold out notes. Oh, yeah. Heaven yeah. forbid. Yeah. Yeah, let's, well, we're not playing a ballad now. That's okay. I don't have to hold out that note. Yeah, that's never happened on any of those great R&B tribute shows, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, those, those PBS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we that you know it's funny. Someone told me they they think that some of that is born out of the the old road trip shows where a label go out with multiple acts, and they yeah. have to get their hits in. Mm-hmm. And I think you know there's some validity to that, but I also think a lot of times it's either control their insecurity, having to hold out phrasing, all of these things come into play too. Yeah, you get some of these older. For, for lack of a better term, what are now nostalgia acts. Mm-hmm. Some of these ladies and gents are in their 70s and 80s, you know, and trying to do some of the things they did when they were 20, 
you know, or 25. Yeah, so that's, that's that. And speaking of stage bullies, <laughs> you know? It's, it's always the ones that have it. An, uh-huh. an MD who can't communicate anything yes. or doesn't care. Yeah. Or a book that is the biggest oh. joke known to man with yeah. more scratches and half pages and dog ears. Yeah. And illegible nonsense that have the worst attitude. Yeah, these incredibly light photocopied 300 time charts that have I mean, pin on, markings man. on them. Yeah. Have your book together, yeah. have your MD together. And if I'm still not giving what you want, you know, maybe there's some room for a little attitude, but are you kidding me? Yeah. Give me the tools Absolutely. to give me what you want before the wrath yeah. is upon me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, again, the, the to, to me, the, the cure for a lot of this stuff, it's, it's definitely inward reflection. In other words, figuring out as a musician, as a drummer, what you need to do to be confident enough to be able to bring something to the table. Like I said, every, like you mentioned before earlier, everybody's a little bit different. My cure was, was of course, uh, a maturation process that had to do with preparation and, and you can you can use that in in virtually you can use preparation as like virtually a blanket statement preparing being prepared with my time feel all different tempos playing with a click playing without a click being able to place virtually every style that you're going to be called upon to play being able to play it confidently and authentically you know being able to draw upon that and have the confidence to do that if that's that's probably three quarters of the battle. Yeah. You know, that, you know I, for me it is, say, you know. I'd also mm-hmm. say, and especially as drummers, that um, just on a social level, really learning how to navigate personalities and all that, because, you know, you are. That's a good thing. The foundation. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, just in regards to stage bullies, there could be one guy where you just bark them down and they back off. Like, you know, the dog who smells fear. Well, if you, like, just get back in their face, that might resolve some of the issues. But there could be, you know, a, a person who that, that isn't going to work with and maybe a more diplomatic approach or just communication or even letting them think you respect their opinion, mm-hmm. even if you don't. Yeah, You know, that, that could solve some of it. So there's... There's definitely a, a it, it's a gray area in, there's no one approach to it and all that, but I think as drummers, we owe it to ourselves to really try to go the extra step in, in dealing with different personalities and, and, and how to communicate with those is something that's going to serve you well. And you're never going to be a, hit, hit a home run hundred percent of the time, but just having that willingness and ability and that, um, you know, selflessness to try to read situations right. more than the guitar player over there, just it's kind of mm-hmm. doing his thing. You know, that, that, that's really something that you, I think we all should think about, man. Like yeah. I, I need to be less wrapped up in my ego and maybe trying to figure out where people are coming from. And I say that to resolve the situation or to communicate, not to give in necessarily, not to lay down, but 
just just to to figure out what's going to make the situation work. Right, and and you know to to kind of to kind of come full circle and do a little bit of a callback, something that that we were mentioning much earlier in the in the podcast is that, and and, and to give everybody some hope too with this entire thing and, and and make everybody feel good about it is that for the most part. When you do, when you start playing, or when you're playing with musicians on a higher level, you know, take take that that for for however you, whether they're famous folk or just very high level musicians, the majority of the time you don't have to deal with this the stage bullying quite as much or or e- even even at all. I I think those people value not only of course great players but people who get along people who have great attitudes, great personalities, especially if you're going to be on the road, man. If you're going to be on the road with somebody and you're stuck in a bus, airports, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, how many times have we heard it that there are there are many, many artists that will take so-called lesser players, you know, that have great attitudes that can get along and, you know, and get the job done and not have to worry about drama. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, the road is there's a, a different dynamic oh, yeah. that's just absolutely. I mean, a bus gets mm-hmm. really, really small, really, really quick. It does. It can. Does it? It it can. <laughs> I mean, I've heard. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but there, there there's something there's something to be said for um, you know what what I think sometimes is lost, especially with a stage bully type you know, egotistical musician is at the end of the day, we are, it's, it's a a team effort, man. Yep. It's a team effort. You know, we all, the give and take are what makes music amazing to me. Because if it was just one person, you know, like calling the shots, then Mm -hmm. although it would be awesome, Quincy would just, make every record right yeah although it would be awesome and he's probably the most qualified <laughs> yeah. but yeah. no all, all, all that to say man the beauty of every situation i've ever enjoyed musically is that mentality of give and take compromise respect and and ultimately a team approach and the most magical music that that's what happened maybe with the exception of cream but other than <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> you know well, i mean it yeah. really it really it really that's that's the that respect yeah and that that banter and that give and take and that just communication and right th- that's what makes music amazing mm-hmm. to me. i mean historically to kind of piggyback on what you're saying historically super groups have been flops you know and and you know some of the greatest music of our time, regardless of genre, has always started out as as just like you said, team efforts, and and a lot of times, you know, where the the total sum of the parts, you know, are greater than these individual, you know, mega players. No question. You know, because Ginger Baker and the Beatles. I like that era of the Beatles. It's a very fertile period for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, right now I'm gonna podcast bully you if you don't stop that <laughs> insane sarcasm. <laughs> I'm petting Harvey. <laughs> it, but 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 again, man, the uh, 
the, the, the thing that I want to stress is don't play into a stage bullies, you know, shortcomings by ultimately barking back and, mm-hmm. and all that. find solutions, be a moderator, be Switzerland. Yeah. And remember that you're serving music, not an individual, not an ego, not an agenda. You know, we're serving music here. And, and if you can be an advocate for that versus a deterrent, good things are probably going to come of it. So wrapping that up, you know, try to be less combative and try to be more proactive in understanding where someone's coming from, trying to deal with it on their level, whatever that may be. But serving the music is, is a goal that I think I want to stress and stage bullies, though they're not necessarily um, focused on that, they can come around if you if you figure out how to deal with them. So, good luck. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I haven't hung around long enough to see that happen. You know, uh, but but no, yeah, uh, very valid points. And like I said, I I think everybody will come to their own. In other words, I, I told you my kind of solution that mine came from. Of course, a lot of self-introspection and ultimately preparation, which led to confidence into what I was doing and that, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think that's very valid points. You know? and, and, so. and, and I want to I make it perfectly clear, too, that in some cases, things aren't going to change. In some cases, they're probably going to just get worse. Walk away from that gig. I don't care what it is. No gig is worth that misery. No gig is worth that angst. No gig is worth that, you know, just sheer misery. Sometimes you have to walk away, and that's okay too. And as difficult as it may be, it's not worth it to continue to work with someone that just is not going to change. So there's certain things that you have to be willing to do, I think, and you have to trust that, you know, your abilities and your um, lot in life musically, there are things that are more important than remaining in an environment that's toxic. So do what you can to make things as good as it can be, but also know when to walk away. Vinny left Zappa. You know? And he's an underappreciated drummer, right? Yeah, I wish more people could kind of <laughs> chime in about that guy. Yeah, you know. But anyway, talk about segues, man. How'd you, I forced that sucker in there, didn't I? I, I guess. <laughs> Are we done with that? I don't know, huh? man. Now, yeah. now, the subject of Vinny, that's how we're really going to drive <laughs> yeah. some uh, you know, participation here. Vinny went back Lord to Gretsch, reason. man. He did. I mean, you know, he's... The, is it any question he's a smart guy? I'm t- man, I've I have owned Gretsch drums constantly since 1989, sir. I've been a Gretsch guy since '89. I've never not had a Gretsch set that I can remember. Yeah, he uh, he has it figured <clears throat> out. I like Gretsch. I like Vinny. Um, if you don't, that's okay. But 
I, I hate that you're wrong. <laughs> so well, you know, he does like piety symbols. Well, don't say anything, man. We got to get advertisers. It's 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 uh, everyone's right to like what they like. Yeah, I'm open minded in that regard. Yeah. So anyway. Moving on, like I said, I tried to hammer in that segue here. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we're going to do some segments. And a segment that we're going to do today is we're going to talk about underappreciated drummers, whether you call them non-famous or at least maybe underappreciated from the standpoint of you know who they are, but, but maybe don't realize maybe quite the impact that they've had with what we do. And, and I think... John and I both, we've got the proverbial doozies today as far as like uh, some guys that we need to talk about. So, John, why don't you go first? Tell us tell us who you like in the underappreciated tab. Well, there's a New York fella who uh, in a lot of ways is what I consider one of the most under-the-radar drummers in that his career is absolutely you know, stellar, his reputation amongst those that know are amazing. And, uh, and just as a player, I mean, everything you love in, in a great focused pro, uh, you know, drummer, uh, is a guy named Christopher Parker. And there's going to be plenty of you that roll your eyes like, Oh, Christopher Parker. But I promise you, there's a lot of people that don't know. And Chris is, uh, he, he was just really just ridiculously busy in New York in the 70s and 80s. Uh, a lot of great gigs, but not necessarily high profile. Like, And the first one I'm going to mention is high profile now in a lot of ways, but Saturday Night Live. This was early on. It wasn't for a long period of time, but... You know, a lot of us in late night television really focus on the band because it was a stunning group of musicians on any given show. Um, you know, the Letterman show, the Tonight Show before that, you know, the big band itself, you know, we all locked into early on. And uh, the Letterman show, um, but Saturday Night Live, you know, I remember like, man, that band is ripping. And Chris Parker was someone that, as a young player, I was like, man, this guy's bringing it in all styles. And it kind of piqued my interest because someone had told me, oh, that's this guy named Chris Parker. Well, then this little record that us college drum fusion wannabe nerds liked was the Brecker Brothers back to back. And everybody were, oh, Steve Gadd, oh, and mm-hmm. of course, Steve Gadd. Oh. But there's this guy named Chris Parker kind of lurking back in there that played on some tracks and I did some, you know, research as difficult as it was in the mid eighties. Like, who is this guy? And man, a million jingles you heard. And a lot of these records that musicians were talking about, just great grooves and deep pocket and all that. It was this guy, Chris Parker. And it's just someone that, I'm not going to get into all the detail of his Mm -hmm. discography and all that, but someone I encourage you to check out and listen to and 
it'll probably surprise you why his name's not on the tip of more people's tongues, but Christopher Parker, check this cat out. Love it. I'm I'm actually I'm going to the same well, man. That my my guy shares a lot of the same DNA as your guy. Um, my guy that I'm going with was also an East Coast drummer, a little book a little before Chris's time. Uh, and the name, some of you are gonna go. Oh, I only know this guy from one particular way because he's known a couple of different ways. My guy that I'm going with is a great underappreciated drummer that everybody's heard but probably didn't realize you heard is a gentleman uh, named Gary Chester. He died actually probably is nearly 30 years ago. He died back in the the late 80s, I think it was. But uh, Gary Chester was, I I kind of like to refer to him as he was the East Coast Hal Blaine. And talk talk about under the radar. This guy, he he played on a ton of hits, a ton of, like Chris Parker as well, a ton of jingles, movie soundtracks, that kind of stuff. Uh, Now, what a lot of people, especially younger guys, are going to know him from is he created one of the foremost conceptual method books of our of our time. Uh, It's a book called The New Breed that which you and I were talking about it earlier. It's kind of the bane of of most people's existence as far as like how how that concept, you know, how that how he works the book. But basically, I, I think when you talk about that book real quickly, then I go back to his playing career is that. That book, for lack of a better term, was sort of the, the, the new modern straight-eighth version of kind of the Alan Dawson approach to independence, you know, and through different styles. Like Alan Dawson would use the, the Ted Reed syncopation book, have you work on all these different styles and then have a certain reading line, right, that you would read either on the snare drum or like on the bass drum or hat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, 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 the Chester Newbreed book was similar as well in a straight eighth note version where you would end up playing basically different types of grooves and then have a reading aspect where you would actually either read it on the bass drum or snare drum, that kind of stuff. One of the things I think is most unique about that book is that he, he uses a singing dynamic where he has the, the, the student sing the majority of the time a quarter note pulse to kind of get you used to feeling a quarter note groove or internalizing a quarter note beat. So but anyway... Anyway, that's that's where I think a lot of people will, will will recognize him is through that. But some of just a few of his hits and a few of the the songs that you probably don't realize that most people don't realize he played on. He played on songs like uh, "My Boyfriend's Back" by the Angels. He played on virtually all those old Burt Bacharach tunes that Dionne Warwick, Warwick sang. And you know, there's some challenging stuff on that. There's some like crazy phrasings and odd time signatures and stuff Absolutely. in there. He made them feel really good. He played um, on the boxer, uh, Simon and Garfunkel. He played uh, that that uh, great bubblegum hit tune, Sugar Sugar, by the Archies, the fictitional, uh, fictitious band, the Archies. He also played on some of the Monkees uh, tracks as well. And then, John, uh, a couple of your personal favorites here. Uh, he played on uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown and your your all-time favorite, Brown-Eyed Girl, uh, by Van Moe, Van Morrison. I uh, I like Brian my girl. It feeds my family on occasion. So oh, so you've had to play that song before? No, no, I, I've never played. Just that. in the practice room. Yeah, shedding. Um, that's that's. I, I, in all honesty, that's about as far as I got on the new breed. It was brown eyed girl the brown eyed girl system? I I I, I mastered that. 
I can honestly say I mastered that, which is the first page of New Breed, right? It is. I've and, never opened the book, so <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, guessing he started there. But he did, and you know, one of the one of the little known things about the Brown Eyed Girl system is to get the authenticity of the singing aspect. He he requires that you do the Van Morrison style of singing by eating a mouthful of baked potato while singing. Interesting. I know, um, back to Gary Chester, I do know, like, independence was a big part of his uh, concept and all that, and people really embraced that. And I, I, my experience with independence is I have been independent of practicing for almost 30 years now. So I, I know a lot about independence. You know what, what I like saying. to say? I like to say that we are freed from the shackles of rehearsal. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that depends. Yes. You know, what, when it comes to a gig with Brown Eyed Girl yeah. program, maybe. But Yeah. Although I, you have rehearsals, don't you? Yeah, I like to play. In the majority of my rehearsals is playing things between 20 and 25 BPM faster so I can get the feel of what it feels like to dance. You yeah, know, and you need to be able to. That, that, then you have energy. Yeah. Absolutely, energy. I like it. I got nothing else, man. Well, hey, um, I know that, uh, you know, we're, for lack of better terms, trying to find our groove here. But yep. I hope everyone uh, decides to embrace this initial discussion. And I promise you, as for years um, I've done with Phil, we're going to have some great insight and great topics and just a lot of fun with this. So I hope you guys get on board. And I want to thank my brother here for uh, coming up with this idea. I'm really looking forward to it. And again, I can't stress enough, please feel free to uh, come and joining this discussion with us. We'll make that readily available soon, I promise. Absolutely. So, uh, again, uh, to echo what John said, we're going to, if you, we will reiterate it one more time, but at the beginning of the podcast, we had some information regarding where you can go contact us through our Twitter page and through our Facebook page. Um, let me go ahead and say this also, this being the, the uh, shall we say, the maiden voyage of this entire thing. Uh, we're not 110% settled in on the names of all this stuff yet. We, this, this is kind of one of these things. We were more excited to actually just get this thing on, you know, on the air, so to speak, and get something on tape. Uh, but you know, as, as of now, we're kind of going with this drummer's weekly groove cast. And so that's where you'll be able to find us, be able to email us at, uh, uh, and, and message us at twitter.com, uh, drummers weekly groove cast and also facebook.com drummers weekly groove cast and uh, like i said feel free to reach out to us we will get back to you as soon as possible we're going to try to address them on the podcast uh especially the more compelling questions and uh and you never know if we've got some time we will try to get back to you directly you know just try to message you back as well so had fun man peace see you later